This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillah, hamdan kathiran wa tayyiban mubarakan fee. وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلوات الله والسلام عليه تسليما كثيرا أما بعض فإن خير الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار. We come to hadith number six from the forty hadith of the book by our Sheikh Sheikh Ali Hassan Al Halabi رحمة الله تعالى عليه. وَأَسْكَنُهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى فِي جَنَّتِهِ الْفَصِيحَةِ Today's hadith is a famous hadith, it's a tremendous hadith, a lot to be learned from the hadith, and since this book is dealing with the caller and the call, the da'i and the da'wah, those people who are engaged in da'wah, those people who are receiving da'wah, the condition of the Muslims as it relates to the da'wah, the condition of our ummah, this is a hadith, a hadith that a person who is involved in educating and calling to Islam, you'll be well served and benefited if you put this hadith in the proper place. Just put it in the right place. Understand it. Have an appreciation for what the Prophet prophesied. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Inshallah will be more effective. A lot of the things that are going on today with the fitting between the people who are giving dawah, where an issue is put on the table and the people are polarized as it relates to the issue. And it's almost impossible for us to get through the issue in a way where we come out and our iman is raised up. Our iman goes up as that's part of our aqidah, that the iman of the person goes up when he obeys Allah. And the worship of getting knowledge, sharing knowledge, studying knowledge, and mudakira, and munaqasha, and munavara, when you're discussing, debating, when you're dealing with issues, it shouldn't lead to hatred and division. If that happens, then what is happening is what happened to Bani Israel. That when knowledge came to them, they started having ikhtilaf. And when knowledge came to them, they started despising each other. They started having enmity and animosity and rancor and hatred towards one another. And how was that the case? Where Allah commanded them and ordered them. Follow your Nabi and your Rasul, Musa, who brought the Torah and in it is life for you. How in the world are you people going to follow this book and it leads to you fighting? And that's why the Prophet told us, Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Ala Alaihi Wasallam, Ana Zaim, Fi Baitin Bi Rabad Al Jannah, Biman Tarak Al Mira, Walokan Muhaqqa, 
I will be the guarantor of a person in the highest part of Al-Jannah if he abandons and leaves off arguing with people, even if the truth is with him. Sometimes a situation is being discussed and is really clear that it's not the goal and the objective of one of the people or both of the people or some of the people. It's not about the truth. It's about intisaru nafs. I have to win for myself. I have to beat you up. I have to overwhelm you. I have to overpower you. Here we are discussing an issue. And even if we are passionate about discussing it and debating it, it doesn't have to lead to, lead to ikhtilaf and tafarruq and hatred and all of this stuff that we have. So there's a time and a place for everything. All of the knowledge that we have in Al-Islam, some of that knowledge shouldn't be put out there like that. There are things about our religion, if we're sitting in a place where there are non-Muslims, we have to be careful about what we're going to say. Cleaning our dirty laundry in front of them. It may be the truth, but it's not the time to say it because of the people who are there. And that's not, calling high, that's not called hiding knowledge. I know a lot of the youngsters are, ah, I'm going to say the truth. I let the chips fall the way where they may. And that's why we're teaching this book. Don't be like that. We're not telling people and encouraging people to acquiesce and to apologize and to bend over and bow down and to shuck and jive and to do the bojangle dance for non-Muslims. Is homosexuality permissible? No, it's not permissible in our religion. We don't say that's a secular decision, you make that choice. In the religion of Islam, that's not permissible. They ask you that question, you just tell them straight. Can you, can you shake the hands of a woman? Who's not halal? Very clearly. Prophet Muhammad says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, for one of you to be hit in his head with an iron pipe is better for him than to touch a woman who's not permissible for him. So we just say it. You just say it. You don't start to skate on ice and act in a way that is an embarrassment. This is not okay. So I'm not saying that. We don't say the truth, but sometimes the truth shouldn't be said. Abu Huraira, the one who narrated the majority of the hadith, he said, may Allah be pleased with him. I received from the Prophet ﷺ two vessels of knowledge. One of those vessels, one of the properties of knowledge, one of the things that I received was the knowledge of the hadith. And all of these hadith that I told you about. That came to me from the Nabi, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, as a, an amana. And there's another vessel, another part of where he taught me that I kept with myself. I didn't tell the people about it. And if I were to tell the people about this knowledge that I know about, they're going to chop my head off and sever my head from my body. And the knowledge that he was referring to was the knowledge of... The leaders that were going to come during the time of the companions, may Allah be pleased with them. The khulafan, the umara, who would start doing things that were not acceptable. They were not from the companions. They're not from the companions. No. But they were those people, Yazid and people like that, Muslims who started coming. And they were not, they were oppressors. This stuff was going on. Those ahadith about the bad leaders and rulers, Abu Hurara was quiet. And that's the meaning of the statement of Imam Abdullah ibn Mubarak. 
من استخف بالحكام ذهب الدنياه anyone who looks at the rulers and he looks at them as being insignificant he doesn't care he wants to clash with them wants to fight with them make خروج against them talk about them make tahjij and agitate the community against them to rise up against them whoever does that and he doesn't look at the ruler and his power as something you better respect it then his dunya is going to go they're going to cut your head off of your head they're going to cut your head off of your shoulder they're going to put you in prison now we have some shabab that say well the real ulama are in prison you think allah wants the ulama of this ummah to be in prison all of the ulama are in prison this statement that the real scholars are in prison is just as dangerous and just as problematic as the one who wants to talk to the community to the ummah nas to the awam to start talking about an imam so and so did this and this and this and this and this and this and he's just trying to make a point but it's bad because you're making the scholar that you're talking about appear as if he is incompetent doesn't know what he's talking about that's bad but just as bad as that is the other thing the one who does not pay attention to those who can you look at them as being insignificant you're going to lose your life so when our shabab come and say the real scholars are all in prison allah do you believe has left those who guide this ummah who have been the ummah has been told ask the ulama if you don't know follow the ulama that's what we've been told al baraka ma akabirikum the blessings are with your scholars your scholars but allah who told us in his religion connect ourselves to them as a body he's going to put them all in prison and only leave the ignorant people no sometimes scholars are in prison but this principle this qaida that brothers had the real scholars in prison and the fake scholars for dollars out of prison that's just something that is not predicated upon knowledge so we come to the hadith today hadith number 6 and it is the hadith of a companion al irbad ibn sariya al irbad ibn sariya may Allah be pleased with him he said that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam gave us the companions a mu'iza an ammunition he gave them an ammunition some words some powerful words he gave to them a speech like you give on the day of the khutbah he gave us some speech the speech was so riveting so powerful so hard hitting that it caused the eyes of the companions to shed and it caused our hearts to fear so as a result of that it wasn't a normal mu'iza this is something different the way the prophet is talking is a sign and indication he doesn't sound like he's going to be here too long it's like a man who's about to die and then he gathers his children around and on his deathbed doing covid he's trying to recover and he's battling covid for the last month he's dealing with covid his kids they're around shalab he's getting better so he has good days and bad days they make him dua for him and then suddenly he tells his wife bring all of the kids they all come and they sit i have something important to tell you and listen listen well I don't know if I'm going to be with you guys 
after this week. So therefore, I'm telling you, look out for your moms. You boys, look out for your girls. Hey, you girls, listen to your brothers. Hey, hold on to your dean. The kids are going to say, hey, this is different. Abby is talking like he's about to travel and leave. So the companions understood that. So when they heard that admonition, they said, because they loved the Prophet wasallam, and they were intelligent, they can read the situation without being told. They call it firasa, having insight. And I always give this example. Going to someone's house at 3 o'clock in the morning, knocking on his door at 3 a.m. in the morning. He opens up the door in his pajamas, and he's yawning, and sleep is in his eyes. You say to him, Salaamu Alaikum, is this a bad time? Come on, man, is it a bad time? 3 o'clock in the morning, the man opened up the door with his pajamas, and he started yawning, and he's wiping the sleep out of his eyes, and you need to ask, is this a bad time? It's a bad time. The sheikh gave a talk. For an hour and a half, two hours. And then after that, he wants to leave and exit. Get back to the hotel. Get some rest. Go meet his relatives who are here. Whatever. And we have 3,000 people in the mosque. 50 brothers line up to stop him. Sheikh, can I talk to you right now? Is this a good time? Come on, man. Is this a good time? Are you serious? So the Muslim has to take this out of the page of the companions. You have to be able to read the situation without being told, the unspoken word. And the Prophet used to have that, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So we said to him, Ya Rasulullah, you were giving us this admonition, this mu'idha, as if it were a farewell sermon. So what do you tell us to do? What's your advice? Counsel us. If you're going to leave, what, what, what would you tell us to do? Intelligent question. He says, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I have left you upon clear proof. Layruha kannaharihha. It's nighttime, it's like it's daytime. La yazigu anha illa halikun. No one would avoid it, abandon it, except that he will be destroyed. What I have left you upon is night, is like it's day. Anyone who deviates from it, if he leaves it, he's going to be destroyed. And anyone from amongst you companions who lives for a long time after me, you're going to see a lot of ikhtilaf. 1,442 years. Today. The second day of Sha'ban. 1,422 years after the Hijra. Look at all this fitna. Fitna of COVID. Fitna of the capital in Washington. The fitna of what's going on in the Muslim world. And Qatar and all over the world. And all of what's going on with the Muslims. The Uyghur Muslims. The Uyghur Muslims. The Muslims from Sri Lanka. From Kashmir. The Muslims from Iraq. From Palestine. Right here. Prevent. The Muslims who are in France, in Belgium. All of this fitna going on. And with all of this confusion and fitna going on, we had the fitna of the civil strife and infighting between the Muslims while the world is burning around us. You can imagine, I'm in my house, Allah forbid. You're in your house, Allah forbid. La Allah. 
We're downstairs in the living room, talking in the living room, in the dining room. And we can hear and smell smoke upstairs. We can hear it and smell it, and it's traveling. And we're downstairs sitting down arguing with each other. And what are we arguing about? We're arguing about issues in the religion. Some important, some not that important. Some of them, there's room for ikhtilaf. Some people have an opinion, he said it the wrong way. He meant it, you took it the wrong way. We can definitely come and sit down and talk only if we were with the same madhab, only if we were with the same group, only if we were the same color. But we're not the same madhab, we're not the same group, we're not the same color, we're not the same people. And as a result of that, those issues make us a hizb. So we don't want to listen to anybody else. Now, had he been from my group and my hizb and he said the same thing, or even worse, I'll have husnadvan. So al-irbad, may Allah be pleased with him, he said, those of you who live a long time, you're going to see a lot of different and controversy. So stick to what you know from my sunnah. And the sunnah of the rightly guided orthodox khulafa al-rashidin. Cling to that with your molars. Hold on to it and bite down. Hold on to it with your molars. And then he says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and I advise you as well to stick to the leader of the Muslims and to listen to him and obey him. Even if he happens to be an Abyssinian slave. And then he went on to say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that the believer, for al mu'min, the believer, one of the descriptions of the believer as it relates to the leader of the Muslims, as it relates to the one who has been put in authority over him. The Muslim is like the submissive camel. Al-Jamil Al-Anif. The submissive camel. Whichever way you turn him and whichever way you lead him, that's the way he goes and he follows. He's submissive. Submissive. Hey, come here. Come here. And he comes right to you. There are those people like our children. Hey, hey, come here. He runs over there. Every time you want to put his pamper on, his nappy. Every time you want to change his nappy. He gets up and runs around the room. He doesn't want you to catch him. It's a game. It's a game. Not like that. Not like that. The believer, as it relates to the one who has been put in authority, especially the emir, the imam, the khalifa. He's like that camel. Wherever you turn him, he does that. So this is an important aspect of the hadith and we'll come to it inshallah in his explanation. In explaining the hadith, the narrator of the hadith was none other than Al-Irbad ibn Sariya. May Allah be pleased with him. He's a companion who made al-Hijra, the Hijra from Mecca to al-Medina. So all of those ayat of the Quran that talk about the virtues of al-Hijra, fi sabilillah, all of those ahadith, they are applicable to al-Irbad ibn Sariya. May Allah be pleased with him. Irbad ibn Sariya did not narrate a lot of hadith from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and this hadith that we're dealing with today is probably the single most famous hadith that he has narrated. And all of the few hadith that he has, the few that he has, this is probably the most famous one. 
His kunya was Abu Najih. Abu Najih. The father of the successful one. He has been mentioned in the Quran. An ayat made reference, reference to him. When Allah Ta'ala mentioned Wala ala ladina la tajidu Wala ala ladina idha ma atawka and there is no blame on those people who, when they come to you, and you're going to like give them a horse and let them come with you. I, 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 can't, I can't come with you. You can't, you can't come. So there were some companions who were poor, and Irbad was one of them. He was from the people who lived in the masjid. When it was time to go for jihad, they came to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya Rasulullah, we would like to go and perform this jihad with you. The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam told those companions, you can't come. You can't come, and the reason why you can't come is because I don't have a horse for you. You can't walk from Medina all the way to where we're going. You're going to be a problem then. It's going to be a problem. So they were exempt. And Allah is mentioned in, in this ayat that they have no blame. When the Prophet told them that, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, you can't come with me? You can't participate in the jihad? They all turned around and their eyes were filled with tears. He was one of those companions. And this ayat in the Quran is a shahada from Allah upon him and all of those companions who this was their situation. It's like Ka'b ibn Malik who didn't go out for the battle of Tabuk. When the Prophet ﷺ revealed those ayat telling the whole world into Yom Al-Qiyamah, he is bari. No problem, no blame. Allah made it so that he was exonerated. Our mother Aisha in the story of the great slander. Allah sent from the sky revelation saying she didn't do it. She's bari'ah. So that's a virtue. You have the virtue of the companions that Allah is pleased with them. They're pleased with Allah. You have the virtues of the companions that they saw the prophet, prayed with the prophet, learned the Quran from the prophet, understood the religion. From their virtues is that the Quran was revealed because of them. These ayat were revealed on him. So this ayat is a virtue. And a lot can be said about him. But let's get on with the issue. When the prophet gave the admonition, the admonition, you know in our religion, the admonition is called the mu'idha. The mu'idha. Where you do the mu'idha from the khutbah. Or you give the mu'idha. In Ramadan, you know, you talk after the salat. And it has a really important place in the religion. Allah Ta'ala mentioned He told the Prophet وسلم, Those are the people that Allah knows what is in their hearts So say to them Turn away from them And give them a strong mu'idha A strong admonition so that it would penetrate their minds and their hearts. Talk to them with a mu'idha. It doesn't mean be nasty, be, you know, disrespectful, be 
a person who speaks foul language. No, say the right things that they need to hear to affect them. The munafiqeen. Give them a strong word. You laugh now, we'll see who's laughing later on. So that's the mu'idha. So the mu'idha is on Friday. It has an important place in this religion. The Prophet ﷺ, if he gave a khutbah, the companion said his eyes became red and his anger would increase and he would raise his voice as if he was warning the community of an impending army that was about to come and attack them and pounce upon them. Allah said in the Quran, Ya ayyuhal nabi, harradil mu'minina ala al-qital. Oh nabi, agitate the believers, agitate them and encourage them to get up, to go and fight. So the Prophet would come out and say to the people when they were camping, sallallahu alayhi wa he'd come out of his, his, his tent and they were tired, it's hot. He would say, who wants this in Jannah and who wants that in Jannah? Who wants, and like that. And the people say, hey, I'll go. One of the companions would have a date that he was eating. And he would hear the Prophet. Ask them, who wants this, who wants that? Like the idol of the Quran. Allah has purchased from the believers their blood, their lives, and their money belongs to Allah. Allah purchased that from them. They fight in the cause of Allah. They kill and they are killed in the proper time and place and context. That's an ayat of the Qur'an that has its explanation. They wage jihad Islamically. They kill and they are killed. And in reward for that, they go to Jannah and all of what the ayat mentioned. So that man will hear the Prophet making a mu'idha and a tahrid. That man will say, bakhun, bakhun. You mean to tell me the only thing standing between Remaining between me and Jannah. Jannah. The only thing between me and Jannah are these dates. He said, Bahum, Bahum. This is a long life for me to eat these dates. He threw, he threw the date away. Got up and went and got Shahada. So it has its place. But every time, every day is not a mu'idha. Sometimes we go to places and people start preaching and raising their voices, and that's not the place for that. This sitting that we're in, in that place, where the non-Muslims are there, or you're going to meet someone's family for marriage, that's not the place to start giving dawah like that, like you were a khatib. Talk normally. Hikmah, hikmah. Put things in their proper place. You're giving dawah, you, you use the correct methodology. The Prophet wasallam in this hadith, he gave them that murida, and the companions, may Allah be pleased with them. Their intellect caused them to say, Ya Rasulullah, what do you advise us to do? And then he gave them the advice. So this is how we have to look at this hadith. It is a prophetic advice from the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to Al-Irbad ibn Sariya. And the companions, may Allah be pleased with them. But it has come down to us. The Nabi said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I have left you people with two clear proofs. This is the clarification on the way of the dawah, the path. We give dawah. I left you with two things. 
I have left you upon a clear proof. A clear proof. Al-Muhajjat al-Bayda. Clear. It's night is like it's day. Meaning, in 1442, second day of Sha'ban, a day, a month before Ramadan this year, inshallah, I can get up and I can show you, inshallah, how the Prophet prayed, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, from the time he said, Allahu Akbar, to the time he said, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. I can show you, you can show me. Because the companions looked at the Nabi when he made salat, and he prayed and they looked at him, and then he turned to them after finish and said, Pray the way you just saw me praying. Before they went to the Hajj to perform Hajj, he gathered all of the people and told his companions, quiet the people, make them quiet, because that's something important to say. And you know that prophetic, the last farewell, that's a mu'idha. That last farewell, that's a mu'idha. That's the mu'idha. When the companions heard that, they knew the prophet is going to die. They knew. His imminent death is close. Make the people quiet. Then the Nabi of Islam, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, told the people, "Khudu anni manasikakum." Take from me the rights of Hajj. Look at what I'm doing. Learn it from me. He used to tell the companions, "Whoever memorizes my words, the way I said it, may Allah illuminate its face." Nadrallahum riyan. May Allah illuminate the person's face from the companions. You heard what I said and you relayed it exactly to other people who didn't hear it from me. It may be when you relay it to them, they'll understand it better than you because you gave them the exact words that I said. And they'll understand my words better than the one who heard it, possibly. So it just goes to show that our religion, 1,442 years after the hijrah, and we still know how to worship Allah. And if we know how to make salah, if we know how to give zakat, fast. You know, we don't just want to fast, inshallah. We want to do the fast of the Nabi. And our Shaykh Ali al-Halabi, rahmatullahi alayhi, one of the books that he wrote, from the many books that he wrote, 250 books or more, one of the books that he wrote was Sifatu Sawm al-Nabi, the description of the Prophet's Song. So his Sheikh Al-Albani, who has the haq upon us to only say what is good in his situation. And when we talk about any mistakes, we talk about it in a nice way, in a good way. We talk about it with adab, we talk about it with hikmah, we talk about it with justice, we talk about it with, with, with respect, we talk about his mistakes, so any scholar. So Al-Albani, if he didn't do anything else for this ummah, he gave us the Prophet's prayer described. Sallallahu alayhi wa Two of his students, and from them, Sheikh Ali al-Harabi, wrote the fast of the Prophet. Not just the fast in Islam. When I came into this religion of Islam, I almost apostated. I became a Muslim in the month of Ramadan. And it was the summertime. And the salat, the, the song was a long, it was like 20 hours, like we have in the UK. It was very long. I never fasted in my life. I never fasted a day in my life. And I was in a place where 
I couldn't break my fast when it was time. So the people were telling me, I was with some people who didn't know the religion. They were telling me I had to break my fast at Isha time because I didn't know. And then I started saying, this religion is difficult. I don't know if I want to be a Muslim. But Allah had rahmah upon me. Wallahi. So we didn't know about fasting. We didn't know about that at all. So what's the fast of the sunnah? The fast of the sunnah is taking the suhoor, making the niyyah, doing the taraweeh, the fast of reading the Quran, giving more sadaqah, all of that. Fasting is not fasting and going to sleep all day long and then stay up all night watching Netflix. That's not the fast. So Sheikh Ali from the madrasa of his Sheikh Al-Albani, they gave this ummah a lot of turaf, a lot of khayr. So back then, you can practice this religion, and right now, you can still practice this religion today. Right now. The religion is a situation that can be practiced. And if we know how to pray, and zakat, and psalm, and hajj, if we know that, then what do you think is the situation with the tawheed? It is even clearer. It is oldah. It is wrong when people say learning about aqidah is a bit confusing, confusing because of the ilm al-kalam and the philosophy that has been entered into it because the people of the sunnah had to refute the mu'tazid and all those people. I understand what you're saying from an angle, but that's not the basis of our aqidah. The basis of the aqidah of al-Islam is real simple and easy. And it's very clear in our religion that if Prophet Muhammad is in Medina right now, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and I started to make dua, someone started saying, Ya Rasulullah, protect us from COVID. Ya Rasulullah, help me to pass the exam. Ya Rasulullah, I know you're dead and you're in the grave in Al-Medina, but you're living in the way in the barzakh. And Allah loves you. I'm asking you to intercede and ask Allah to give me this and that. And then the person comes 1,422 years after the hijra and says, what you're doing making dua to the Nabi who's dead in this grave, وسلم, but he's living in a way that Allah knows the reality. The sheikh is in the grave dead. Ali is in the grave dead. To make dua to them, it's not permissible. It's haram. It's not permissible. But if you don't believe Prophet Muhammad is Allah, you're not making shirk. La ya akhi. Come on. The issues of aqid and tawheed are oldah, more clearer than salah and all of that. There's no salah without aqidah, without tawheed. There's no zakat, no som, no hajj. If a person doesn't have aqidah. And that's why most of us, we really don't learn about hajj until the time comes and then we start learning. That's, that's, you know, that's not a good thing, but it's not necessarily very bad neither. Whereas who in his right mind, as a Muslim, is going to neglect learning about the aqidah of Islam? Show me a Muslim who does not learn about the aqidah correctly and from its sources, and I'll show you a Muslim who is not woke, a Muslim who is negligent, a Muslim who is in an environment, he's miskeen, a Muslim who's lazy, a Muslim who may not really realize he's a brand new Muslim in the desert or something. But the Muslim who cares about his religion, 
He's aware. He has to learn about this aqidah. Who are you worshiping? The Prophet went on to say, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that you people who live a long time, you're going to see a lot of ikhtilaf. So Al-Irbad ibn Usariya, he died 75 years after the hijra. 75 years after the hijra. The Prophet died, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the companions continued to live. Some of them lived quite a significant amount of time after him. So there was infighting, civil war, fitna between the companions. And the Prophet told him, you're going to see a lot of ikhtilaf. So take my sunnah and the sunnah of the rightly guided Khulafa Rashidin. So Abu Bakr was a Khalifa, follow him. Umar was a Khalifa, follow him. Uthman was a Khalifa. So when the Khawarij made itida and khuruj and they killed and assassinated the Khalifa, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam clearly told the people, follow the rightly guided Khulafa. They went against that command. And that's the Khawarij, Ikhwani, that's the Khawarij. Their fiqh, their understanding, the Prophet said, Hudatha al-Asnan Sufaha al-Ahlam. They're very young in age and they have crazy ideas. You know the story of Khabab ibn Arat. And I mentioned to some people this story yesterday in a program that I gave on Clubhouse. Al-Khabab, Khabab ibn Arat was one of the poor Muslims like Bilal, like Salman al-Farisi. He didn't have any power like Suhaib al-Rumi, like Sumayya, Yasir, Ammar. He didn't have a lot of money. The Khawarij of that time after the Prophet wasallam, the Khawarij, the fitna, the ikhtilaf came up, the controversy. They found him and his wife and they were traveling and their slave. And they started quizzing him to find out what side that he was on in the fitna. And it became clear he was on the side of the companions and he opposed them. So they killed the man and then they killed the woman and then they took her baby out of her stomach and they already killed the baby, took it out of his stomach, but they killed the lady and the baby. This is a son of a companion, a Muslim. They started traveling. One of them, a narration said, he did arrow practice. He was just shooting, shot a pig, shot a pig. The people say, hey, that's the pig. We got to find out where that pig is from. It was not ours. You can't do that. Make the ihlak of people's wealth. You can't destroy people's property. You know, taqwa, deen. This is ihsan. The owner of the pig doesn't see us, but Allah sees us. We better stop our journey, find out who this pig belong to, and give him his money. They found the owner. Someone from Ahlul Kitab. Kathir from Ahlul Kitab. Here, here's the money. One of our people killed your pig. Islam is a religion that is up and right here. Here's your money. Ya Akhi, you murdered a man, a Muslim man, whose father was a tremendous man from the companions. He, we, we have a debt of gratitude to his father. You know, like Al-Albani, we have a debt of gratitude to the ulama. So be careful the way you talk about people, especially the ulama. If you talk about them anyway, 
one of the ways that people, Ikhwani, go astray, talking about the ulama, and this has happened over the years. If people want to destroy something, they have a problem with something, they try to destroy it through its people. So, you want to destroy the sunnah, like the mustashriqun, the orientalists, talk bad about Abu Hanifa. Just talk bad about Abu Hanifa. You want to talk bad about sunnah, talk bad about him. The people who are against the Dawah and the Aqidah of Imam Ahmed. Talk bad about them. Ibn Taymiyyah, Muhammad Abdul Wahab. For an example, this is how the people are. This has always been a sign. And this is the meaning of the Salaf. One of the signs of Ahlul Bid'ah is when they talk bad about people of the Sunnah, especially the Ulama. It's not talking about you don't agree with Abu Usama. Abu Usama doesn't agree with you. And as a result of our disagreement, you said something about me or to me that was inappropriate. And I get mad. I say, you're not from the Sunnah. I'm from the Sunnah. You talk bad about me. So you're, from, you're not from Ahlul Sunnah. That's not the meaning of that. That's not the meaning of that. We have to take the statements of our scholars and our religion and put them in the right context. Context is important. We have to construct and understand the context. And then we'll get the proper netija or netaij results of the discussion. So the khawarij are like that in the fiqh. Boko Haram in northern Nigeria. Northern Nigeria. They're killing the Muslims in northern Nigeria. Taking girls and taking them away out of school. Who, who are you helping with that? Crazy, fiqh, fiqh, crazy. So we don't want to be like that. We don't want to be the people who we think, as the ayah said, they believe that they're doing something right. But what they're doing is, it's disastrous. That's not right. That's not right. So the Nabi of Islam, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, told the people, if you live a long time, you're going to see a lot of ikhtilaf, the companions. And now we've lived over a thousand years, 1400 years after the companions. So how much controversy and ikhtilaf are we privy to? And this is the point that I need you brothers to understand. You sisters to understand, you shabab to understand. Hey guys, the du'at. All of these radud and fighting. Look, the haq is the haq. And we have to refute. But we have to refute the right way. Putting people in their right places. You don't refute everybody the same way. Some people don't deserve to be refuted. Sometimes the truth, you should just sit on it. And not talk about it. Because it's going to be a fitna. It's not for everybody to hear this point of view. It's not for everybody. So now we're dealing with a lot of ikhtilaf. Now, a person who's giving, giving dawah right now, and I really need you to understand this. Look at the recent fitna that has happened in the last few days with some of our brothers, Muslims who are not understanding one another, each other, not just two people, but there's a camp and there's a camp. I'll say very clearly, the Sunnah is very clear, and what we're supposed to be on is very clear. We don't go overboard with people. It is what the Prophet said and what he showed us, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But I know, Abu Samad Dahibi, that right now is a difficult time upon all of us. So I meet a brother. He's not saying everything that I want him to say. He's not doing everything that I want him to do. 
he's, you know, doing things that I'm not, you know, I don't agree with it. I don't want, what am I going to do? Am I going to crack his head open? Am I going to invite him to my house and have a meal with him and poison him and then he dies and then I buries him somewhere? Is that how I deal with him? That's not how I deal with him. I would say, none of you truly believes you love for your brother or your love for yourself. If I was in that situation, I would hope that he would have mercy upon me, understanding towards me, support me, my personality, man, understand my personality, understand who I am and how I am. I'm not the type of person who can easily just cow down if people step to me. You step to me, I'm going to give you some smoke. You got to understand that. So that brother understands that about me. So when he starts giving me dawah, he gives me dawah and support in a way to make me feel, man, this guy understands me. Perhaps, perchance, the way you're giving him dawah, you can help the brother. But the way we are, ikhwani, we have this, we have this concept. I'm on the truth. I'm only doing the truth. Anyone who opposes this truth of mine, I'm going to take my knife out, knock you down on the floor, start stabbing you, and then everybody else with me going to come and start stabbing you in the back with their comments on the internet. Fanboys, fanboys, and no knowledge, no justice. Between all of those comments, you can barely find any knowledge. It's emotions. It's the football team. I like the Brooklyn Nets, and they're going to win the NBA championship. I like them. I don't like L.A. And because you're in the West Coast, L.A., I'm against you. You're for the Lakers. I'm for the Nets. Those are the kuffar. Now, Muslims in America, right here, right here, I like Liverpool. I like Liverpool. That guy over there, he likes Manchester United. I don't like you. You don't like me, and we can never get it. This is not our religion. Our religion is not a football game, a soccer game. This is real life. And the people who are the players on the ground are real people. And they're your brothers and your sisters. They're us. So we have to calm down. I became a person who was Salafi at the age of 22, 23. That is a baby. So if a 22-year-old kid starts to give a class on Instagram telling people how he's going to destroy me, Abu Sama, because I'm a deviant. I just feel sorry for that 20-year-old kid who says, I don't care how old he is. I'm here to defend the truth. That guy is a deviant. I feel sorry for him. That's how I feel. I don't want to do anything but make dua for him, maybe cry. Because although we were that young, most of us were not that Reckless. I say, Alhamdulillah for Al Albani. That Al Albani didn't give me, Alhamdulillah for Al Albani to Allah. Because Allah did not give me young people to teach me the way Shababa teaching that Shab. And now he wants to refute everybody. So, brothers and sisters, listen, listen, listen. Prophet Muhammad has informed us you want to give dawah, you want to be a da'i, you want to give dawah to the community. These are the times of controversy. Take it easy. Take it easy on our community. You young people, I'm telling you, as you get older and you get children, you're going to realize I cannot be rough and tough with my kids like that. They're growing up. Got to take it easy with my children. And the children are, you know, people receiving dawah. 
You guys are not married. The sisters are not married. The brother's not married. So as a result of that, they just, you know, let it all hang out. Let the chips fall where they may. No, you have a religious responsibility to give da'wah to Allah with knowledge, with ikhlas, give da'wah to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you have to have sabr and so many other things. So these are the times of controversy. This is not the time to treat our community as if they're living in Baghdad during the time of Imam Ahmed and Imam Ali Madini. They're living in Kufa with Imam Abu Hanif and Sufyan al-Thawri and Abdullah bin Mubarak. They're living over there in, in Egypt with Imam Al-Layth ibn Sa'd. This ain't that time. We're at the time right now where it's very difficult to find. It's very difficult to find someone who is competent in the religion. There's another hadith that will be coming, inshallah, tabarak wa ta'ala, where the Prophet wasallam also mentioned the camel, like this camp, this hadith. And he said the people are like 100 camels. You can barely find one suitable to ride. We're going to explain that hadith, inshallah, coming up. There are many people, many people, but we just need one that's suitable to ride. If everybody in Green Lane Masjid rolled up his sleeves and tied up his combat boots and got to work in his own capacity here in this community or in that masjid or that masjid, we'll take over the city. But we have some people who work in this masjid, some people who work in that masjid, some people who give in that masjid. People are like, like a dozen of donuts, but in this case, 100 camels, the prophet said. Like a dozen, dozen of eggs, dozen eggs, dozen donuts. He said, 100 camels. You can barely, lie to cat, you can barely find one suitable to ride. That's the time we're living in. The prophet said to the companions, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, radiallahu anhum, you people, companions, are living during a time where there are many ulama and only a few khatibs, preachers, on Friday. He said there's going to come a time when there will be a lot of preachers, a lot of people talking now on YouTube. Everybody. Everybody and his mother. Everybody is talking. There will be a lot of preachers and only a few ulama. Only a few. That's the time we're living in. So with that, I have to give da'wah in an easy way. I want to ask you guys, you brothers and sisters, especially those of you who are married and you have a small child. You know, because one of the things that's very disturbing to me, you know, people who have mental illnesses like that lady, Meghan Markle. One thing that I think is really important is in today's society, Prophet Muhammad told us, alayhi salam, that mental illness would be spread close to Yom Al-Qiyamah. Anyone who has mental illness, we have to be sensitive to them. We're living in a time where mental illnesses are many. So we have to be sensitive and have empathy and sympathy for people who struggle with their stuff. And don't tell people who suffer from depression, just get over it. It's the worst thing you could say to them. If they could just snap their finger and do it, they would. They're suffering. People are suffering. So as it relates to the time that we're living in, we should have sympathy for the people living during this time. You have a young child, two years old. The child cannot speak. He expresses himself by crying and acting up and acting out and doing things. And you have to figure out what does he want. Between his words and what he's doing, you have to figure it out. One years old, 
one of the people I have a big problem giving dawah, not being judgmental, but going into the prisons and giving dawah, and then you find those people who beat up kids, molested kids, kid, killed children. Come on, man. But anyway, our little children, how are you going to look at a person who the child, his intellect is not complete, and you're rough and tough with them? Those of us who grew up and our fathers were like that. A'udhu billah. Those of us who grew up, our mothers are like that. The mother is aggressive. She herself is psychotic. She's borderline psychotic. That's why she's like that. Something happened to her. So this is the question. This is the question. Shouldn't we have rahmah on these people? They're the people of special needs. They need Prophet Muhammad said, have mercy on the ones in the earth and the one in the heavens that have mercy upon you. And then a person comes talking about he's giving dawah and he's rough and tough with everybody. Oh man, got to be rough and tough at the right places with the right people in the right circumstances. Can't be rough and tough with your children and your wife all the time. Rough and tough giving dawah. Well, I found it really amazing and disturbing that a 22-year-old baby, a kid, a little boy, a little kid, a little kid can come and say, I don't care how old you are, I'm going to get you. going to get him. Your voice should say to yourself, hey, pump your brakes, slow down, fall to the black. Because it doesn't warrant all of that. All you have to do is pick up the horn and get in touch with the person and go and have a civilized discussion. And the person will listen to you, agree, maybe not agree. And then after that, you're brothers. Why do you look at it like the man is an enemy because he didn't agree with you about an issue that's not even from the asul of the religion? The Nabi told the people, stick to what you know from the Sunnah and from the Sunnah of the Khulafa al-Rashidin al-Mahdiyin, hold on to it with your molas. So the makhraj of all of this drama and fitness, the Sunnah. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, it's very easy. I gave a khutbah in this masjid about being impressed with yourself. A lot of people were practicing the religion, were copying Ahlul Kitab, the Yahud especially. Christians too, who are super impressed with themselves and they see themselves as being the cream of the crop and Allah's gift to the whole universe. And they look at everybody else with the eye of disdain. They look down at you. That's ghurur. It will destroy you being overly impressed with yourself. Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, those people, those people were from the odia of Allah. And yet, Umar said, hey, Hudayfa, did the Prophet tell you I was a munafiq? Did the Prophet tell you that about me, Umar? And I'm walking around and I don't think I have any hypocrisy. The ayat of the munafiq is he lies, he breaks his promise, he's treacherous. When he argues, he's rough and he's tough. The person has all of that. He doesn't make salat. He comes to salat late. Don't pray sometime. He's lethargic, lazy. The, the, the munafiqeen, they got so many characteristics that are embodied in people. 
And that person is giving dawah thinking, I'm on the truth in every... Hey, brother, you need to check yourself. You need to check yourself. And we all need to check ourselves and look at ourselves as being not all of that. Not all of that. So the way of, out of all of this stuff is through following the religion. And by following the religion, this stuff will solve itself. It's the promise of Allah. You follow the religion, the sunnah. Where is the sunnah? I don't agree with you, brother. I don't agree with you. Then let us come and discuss it, the way the companions just discuss it. When we start arguing with each other, someone has to say, either the one of the two arguers or one of their friends, and come say, hey, hey, don't you guys remember that hadith where the companions were sitting and they started arguing with each other over the Quran, and the prophet became angry and said, hey, sit and read it as long as your hearts are united. Once you start arguing, get up and leave. Vacate the premises. And vacating the premises means throw it behind your back. Stop engaging each other. Don't write another email and don't respond to another email. Don't write one and don't respond to it. It's not necessary. But shaitan comes to all of us and says, the haq is with you. It's with you. Got to write one more. Got to write one more. Got to write one more. And then you have to say something. He has to say something. He has to say something. And all it is, is a balloon that we're all blowing in, hot air, and all of that hot air that's in that balloon of your kalam, your kalam, your kalam, his kalam, her kalam, his kalam, my kalam, that's going to come back and haunt us. Yomil Qiyama, Wallahu A'lam. وَمَا يَلْفِذُ مِنْ قَوْلٍ إِلَّا لَدَيْهِ رَقِيبٌ عَتِيمٌ He doesn't utter a single word, a human being, except that Allah is there writing it down. So the sunnah, ikhwani, I'm telling you, we're living in a time where there's not a lot of knowledge. Why are we acting like we have a lot of knowledge? We have a lot of knowledge. People who have graduated from the University of Al-Madinah, myself included, graduated from Umm Al-Qura, wherever you graduated from, you have a bachelor's degree, master's degree, PhD. Alhamdulillah, it's a ni'mah. But you are not a scholar. You are da'i. You are da'i. Talibul ilm. You could be a small student of knowledge, a middle student of knowledge, or a student of knowledge that's big. Why are we acting as if we are experts in the minhaj of Salafi and about this religion? Why? How? Something is wrong. Something is wrong. And that's why one of the greatest things that Allah can bestow upon the slave is to help the slave to understand the reality of his hajjum. What's your reality? Well, my reality is I'm not the most knowledgeable person. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, and I'm not the dullest neither. So I'm not the sharpest and I'm not the dullest. I know I'm like right in the middle somewhere. So I'm not going to act as if I'm the sharpest one in the shed. Listen to me. Pay attention to me. So the call and the advice, Ikhwani, is know the condition of our community and know your own condition. Know the condition of your community, your family members, the people you're giving down, and know your own condition. My own condition. I know my condition. 
So when I get on that minbar, I have to give advice as if I'm one of the people, not I'm over the people and better than the people. Du'at, du'at, the du'at of this da'wah, you famous du'at in this country, wherever you happen to be. We have a responsibility to our community. Do a better job. Do a better job. In concluding, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told the companions to hold on to his sunnah with his molar teeth. And this is really important because Al-Imam Al-Uza'i Al-Imam Al-Uza'i had his own madhab and he told the people take the path of the salaf. The way of the salaf. Don't be scared. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be like the 20-year-old kid neither. I'm salafi. I'm going to kill everybody. No, don't be like that. I'm not talking about that. But be Al-Imam Al-Uza'i said take the path of the salaf. And don't be faint-hearted about the few people that are on that path. Don't be afraid that there are only a few people with you. And also, and also, don't, when you see, don't be fooled by the many people on the other path. So many people are following this, following that, following that. It's easy to look and say, man, we don't have a lot of people. No, don't worry about that. Not your job, people. That's not your job. So that's Imam al-Uza'i telling us, hold on to the sunnah with your molas. Don't put it in your pocket. Don't be lackadaisical about the sunnah. Meaning what? Don't do those things that will compromise the sunnah. And this is another thing. You know when it comes to cooperating with people of innovation, there's a person who may sit with the Rabat al-Alam al-Islami, the Muslim World League, and on that majlis, there are people who are not on the sunnah. But that person finds himself in that situation. We're not going to say to him, by going there, you're an innovator, you this, you that. We don't say that. We say, weigh the situation and do what's going to bring benefit to the Muslims and save yourself. Save yourself. So I am not for people believing you can go and cooperate with anyone in any place. No, I don't believe that. We shouldn't cooperate with anyone and everyone. It has to be some fiqh. But you know we're living in a time right now and if this brother doesn't think, if this brother doesn't want to cooperate with these people over here and you choose not to, he'll be upset with you. What kind of religion is that? And instead of coming to you to talk to you, he'll go to the 20-year-old kid. And pump the 20-year-old kid and the people like that, making confusion in the life and the mind of the kid and in our community. What are you doing? Take it easy. Have rahmah rafa on our shabab. And concluding, and concluding, the Prophet said in this hadith, just like he said last week, I advise you people, stick with and listen to the leader of the Muslims. Even if he happens to be an Abyssinian from Al-Habasha, he's from Ethiopia, meaning even if he's someone you detest, you don't like him, he's a slave. No one's going to allow a slave over him. And in actuality, a slave can never be the imam of the Muslims. He can never be. If a person is a slave, he can't even go to Hajj and Umrah. 
unless his master allows him, his owner. He can't get married unless his master's owner allows him. How are you going to be the Khalifa? How? How? Similar to the woman. She can't be the Khalifa because certain things. So how? 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 So the meaning of it is if the leader is someone you really hate and detest, but he's the leader and he's establishing the Salah, then listen to him and don't go outside of his authority. And then he said, because the believer is like the camel, the camel that is submissive. Wherever you turn him, he goes. Meaning of that is not to allow someone to put a ring in your nose and wherever he pulls you, you go. And he's from the regular people. No. You young people, you a Muslim, don't be influenced by these other kids. You have to be a, a leader, an influencer. You know these influencers on the internet, women putting on this makeup and all of this stuff like that, and our girls, our women are following them in that? No, don't be a follower in that stuff. No, don't be a follower in that kind of situation. This hadith is talking about the Muslim is like that with the leader. Now some people will come, these overly politicized Muslims from these different jama'at, as-siyasiyah, They'll say, oh Abu Usama, you are bootlicker of this king. Did I mention any king? I don't care where you are. If you're in Africa, you're in Pakistan, you're in Kashmir, wherever you are. If there's a Muslim leader over you, a system over you, then there's a way you're supposed to act. Whatever country you're in, wherever you are. Why are you being a, dis a disruptive force amongst the Muslims? So this is one of the many hadith. You know, I'm not trying to hear what you say. The prophet's claim is clear. The believer is like the camel that is submissive. Wherever you pull him, the leader, he goes. Meaning, if the leader is practicing the religion and the leader is establishing the salat and the leader is a Muslim, you have to listen to him. Give him his haq. If he don't give you your haq, you have to be patient. No khuruj. No kharuj. None at all. This hadith is also, this part of the camel is also applicable for the, for the wife. Be a wife who your husband is over you, he's an authority over you. Be the wife who is submissive and easy. Doesn't mean he wants to do crazy things with you, to you. He wants to hurt you, harm you, that you just got to give it to program. It's not saying that. It's saying that you know you're husband so work with him but if you can't live with that dude and you can't work with him then you do what you have to do that's the point anyone in position of leadership over you don't be a person who is confrontational to the leadership anyone who's in a position of leadership the police out there the police don't be a person who comes and clash with the police don't do it that's what this hadith is talking about that the muslim should respect the leadership in Al-Islam. And generally speaking, in giving dawah, take it easy. Like that camel. Don't be the bull. You know the bull, the thawr. The bull, the thawr. Some of us in dawah, you can take him into a china shop and he can maneuver throughout the china shop. And there's some other people, you better not take him in a china shop because he's always doing his hand, his hand, you know, his foot on the ground like this, like the bull that's about to charge. 
smoke coming out of his nose. He has horns. He, he just wishes someone would get on his back so he can buck all crazy and kick his head off. That's how some of the people are in Dawah. Take it easy. Okay, Shabbat. We're going to stop here, inshallah. We ask Allah Ta'ala by his ism al-a'zam to help all of us. Help the older people in Al-Islam with their health and their situations. Help our youth in Al-Islam with their situations, with their needs, these challenges. Help the infants of Al-Islam who are about to inherit, inshallah, society and a state of affairs that la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Anis ibn Malik said, مَا مِنْ عَامٍ إِلَّا وَالَّذِي بَعْضُهُ شَرٌ مِنْهُ حَتَّى تَلْقَوْ رَبَّكُمْ There is not a year, except that the year that comes after it is worse than the year that went before it, and it will continue to do that until you meet Allah. يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ will be established. No one in the earth will be saying, Allah, the Muslims, it will be a problem. So we are getting to that point. Take it easy. Know the position of our community. Have hikmah. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha illa ant. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.